So this is the final week of the How to Pray series. I hope you've been enjoying it. And today we're focusing on spiritual warfare, on spiritual warfare. And we are focusing on the line of the Lord's Prayer that says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. Hmm. When I think of spiritual warfare, when I think of engaging in battle in an unseen realm, I think of this story in Second Kings. And so I wanna begin by reading this today. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. And after conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up a camp in such a such place. The man of God, who was Elisha, he sent word to the king of Israel and he said, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are gonna be down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. And time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on guard in such places. This enraged the king. He summoned the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and he demanded of them, tell me which one of you is on the side of the king of Israel. There must be a mole, he thinks. <laughs> a spy. None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so that I can send men and capture him because he's thwarting his plans. <laughs> so they come back and they say he's at Dothan. And so he sends out horses and chariots and a strong force. They went by night and they surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God, so Elisha's servant, got up in the morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city that they were in. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and when he looked, he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When it comes to seeing, we are a lot more like Elisha's servant than we are Elisha. We see the natural world. That's how we were created, to see the natural world. Some of us have some spiritual sight and we get glimpses into the supernatural realm, but more often than not, we are like Elijah's servant. But Jesus, who could see very clearly the natural and the supernatural, He instructed us with what He could see. He said to us that we needed to pray, deliver us from evil. And so when it comes to this topic of warfare, I trust the Lord's sight. And we need to trust God's sight because we are created to see what's going on naturally and we don't get the full picture of what is going on supernaturally. 
I think of a small child in a crowd with her tall father. And he says, I can see where we're going. We need to make our way to the right and we're not too far away. I think living and engaging in spiritual warfare is like being that child. It's trusting the Lord that has sight. Trusting the instruction of a God who sees through Scriptures and through the prompting of the Holy Spirit that aligns with that Word. I think we all lean in different directions when it comes to spiritual stuff, don't we? Some of you are like, yes! (laughs) Some of you are like, hmm, don't know. Unsure about that one. And some of you are like, yep, I believe it, but, you know, I'm trying to like have a healthy middle. You know, when Jesus walked this earth and when He ministered, He he actually ministered in that same kind of environment. There was the Sadducees. Did I say that right, Dad? Yeah, thank you. Um, They didn't believe in angels, demons or life after death. And they were actually, they really distrusted anything that had a hint of super spirituality. Then we had the Essenes. They were the opposite of that. Everything was spiritual. <laughs> Where the Sadducees, oh, Sadducees ministered that when they, was it right? Sadducees. I've been overthinking it, guys, and it's just gonna. Hey? Whatever. So where they, where they minimise spiritual warfare, the Essenes were all about it. They probably wanted, you know, the Lord's Prayer, they probably only wanted the line, deliver us from evil. They, everything for them was about being in a spiritual battle. And maybe you're here and you're like, yeah, I probably more lean with that. And then there was the Pharisees. And they believed in angels, they believed in demons, they believed in heaven and hell and all of that. But they believed that the way they overcame Satan was through living a radical and holy life. That by obeying 613 rules would overcome the evil one. Is anyone interested in obeying 613 rules? To No, me neither. They thought if I just do everything right, darkness can't touch me. And so Jesus steps into this room. He steps into the space where everyone's leaning in all directions and He encouraged every single one to pray the same prayer, deliver us from evil. And so wherever you lean today, I wanna invite you to trust the spiritual sight of Christ. Like a child in a crowd with a tall father that can see or like Elisha's servant, whose eyes were opened by the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank You. I thank You, Lord, that we can trust Your sight. I thank You, Jesus, that You have seen 
this day and you are here with us. I thank you that you have a plan for it, that you want to reveal more of yourself and more of the spiritual realm today so that we would be able to pick up the tools of spiritual warfare to fight for our families, to fight for our churches, to fight for our communities, Lord, to fight for those living in darkness, Lord. You wanna equip us, Jesus, so that we can stand in battle in the heavenly realms and fight with the victory of Christ. Would you open our eyes to see today, Lord? And in our lack of vision, may we trust your sight and your word. We invite the Holy Spirit to help us understand these great mysteries. In Jesus' Name, Amen, Amen. So we need to know that we do not live on neutral ground. We are not living on neutral ground. We are not living in peacetime. We're not living in peacetime. We are living in the midst of a spiritual war. You can have peace. You can have the peace of Christ, but it's in a spiritual war. We're in a war zone. C.S. Lewis said that we are in, he says, enemy occupied territory. That is what this world is. Christianity is the story of how a rightful king has landed. You might say landed in disguise and is calling all of us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. I love this. We are not living in peacetime. We are not living on neutral ground. And as Christians, we have targets on our back. As does anyone who is leaning into the things of God. As does anyone who has turned from God, but the embers of belief are still aglow. Spiritual warfare is how we take our part in this great campaign of sabotage, as C.S. Lewis put it, to fight against Satan and his army. And in the book, this book, How to Pray, he, he says that we need to focus on, there are three things that we need to know in order to be effective in spiritual warfare. So we're gonna look at that. It says you must know your enemy, you must know your authority, and you must know how to fight. You must know your enemy, you must know your authority, and you must know how to fight. So that's what we're gonna cover today. Know your enemy, know your enemy. I just wanna acknowledge that it can all sound a bit out there. Satan, demons, fallen angels, battles between good and evil, light and darkness. As one of my sons said, who has been asking some questions recently, it just sounds a bit exaggerated, is what he said. <laughs> and of course, after all, we are like Elisha's servants who can't see beyond what is natural. Of course, it sounds a bit exaggerated. But to help us understand with our limited sight, I thought let's just look at a brief theological description of Satan and his demons. So they are evil angels who once were like the good angels, but who sinned and lost their privilege of serving God. Like angels, they were also created spiritual beings with moral judgment and high intelligence, but without physical bodies. We may define demons as follows. Demons are evil angels who sinned against God and who now continually work evil in the world. It's a description. You need to know that God didn't create the world with demons in it. 
Genesis 1 verse 31 says, He saw everything He made and behold, it was very good. He saw everything He made and behold, it was very good. But sometime between Genesis 1.31 and Genesis 3, we have a serpent in the garden who's tempting Eve to also sin. So somewhere between Genesis 1.31 and Genesis 3 verse 1, a rebellion in the, in the angelic world must have taken place where many angels turned against God. We see that in Jude 1 verse 6, it says, And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority that God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. And there are other Scriptures as well. So there was a rebellion. They were removed from God's presence, from their proper place, and the activity was then restricted. Satan, he is known as the head of the demons. The Hebrew word for Satan is adversary. Here's some other words you may have heard for him. The devil, the serpent, the ruler of the world, the prince of the power of the air, the evil one, the accuser. What do we know about him? He was the originator of sin. He sinned in the act of pride as he rebelled against God, wanting to be in a higher place than God himself. Scripture says that he's been a murderer from the beginning. Jesus confirmed this in John 10 verse 10 when he said, The thief has come only to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and life abundantly. He's known as the liar and a father of lies in John 8 verse 8. And, they, and he goes on to say that lying is his native tongue. It's like his language. His characteristic is to tempt people through sin and through deception, and through any other means necessary. Satan and his demons oppose and try to destroy every work of God. His tools are lies, a deception, temptation, and every other kind of destruction to cause people to turn from God and His life-giving principles so that, get this, we might destroy ourselves. He will try anything He can to blind people to the truth that will set them free, to keep them in bondage and dependence to things that will hinder them from coming to God. And He will try to use temptation, doubt, fear, guilt, confusion, sickness, pride, slander, unforgiveness, and any other means possible to drain a Christian's witness and usefulness. So he, came, so he wants to blind people from the truth, keep them in bondage to things that hinder them from coming to Christ and to use anything he can to drain a Christian's witness and usefulness. We see in Ephesians 6 verse 2, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against darkness, and against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We get a real insight into this in a story that Joel shared in one of the messages in the series, and it's in the book of Daniel. And in Daniel 10 verse 1, we're just going to go into it for a little bit. It's so random. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel had another vision. He understood that this vision concerned events certain to happen in the future 
times of war and great hardship. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three weeks. All that time I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine had crossed my lips. He was fasting. I used no fragrant lotions. He was really fasting until those three weeks had passed. On April the 23rd, do you know that's today also? I didn't plan this. This is weird. On April the 23rd, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and I saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face shone like lightning. His eyes flamed like torches. His arms and his feet shone like polished bronze. His voice roared like a vast multitude of people. To be fair, Daniel was scared. So we'll jump to verse 12. And he says, and the angel says to him on April the 23rd, don't be afraid. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and humble yourself before God, your request had been heard from heaven. So he prayed a while ago and he said, right then your your request was heard, but today I'm here. But for 21 days, the the, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. So that's in the supernatural realm. And then Michael, one of the archangels came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future for this vision concerns a time yet to come. Pretty interesting, right? This encounter, it provides a fascinating insight into a spiritual battle that goes on in the heavenly realm. It shows us that there are particular angelic powers, princes, over different geographical regions and cultural entities. For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and against rulers of this dark world. And I think it's so random that it was April the 23rd that he arrived and it's April the 23rd today. So I was like, God, what is the significance of that? And when I just looked at the story, I thought, okay, well, here's someone that had prayed and been fasting, but and, and the Lord heard and He sent His angel to bring this particular revelation to him that was of great importance, but he was blocked so that that revelation couldn't come to him. But then on April the 23rd, they finally received this revelation and so I don't know what God wants to reveal to you today, but perhaps it's significant for you. So yes, there are spiritual powers at work in our world, affecting organisations, governments, cultures and individuals. Yes, Satan and his army of darkness are at work opposing God's work in us and around us. You need to know that he's desperate. He's desperate because the fatal blow was given to him on the cross and now he is in death throes and he is trying to take out and damage and hurt anybody he can before he is in final defeat. So we, as citizens of heaven in the spiritual environment, better know our authority. We better know our authority. And some of you are like, please tell me my authority. Now that we know about our enemy, please tell me my authority. See, when we are aware of the evil powers at play, we have to understand our own personal authority to contend with these forces and to win. 
we were one of the many people that got a puppy at lockdown. And actually, Joel and I were hosting online a prayer meeting for the church and then it finished at 8.30 and the lockdown was about to commence at midnight and we were like, let's get a puppy. So between 8.30 and having to be home at midnight, we're like, let's do it. Wise. And so I went on Trade Me and I rang and like they were all selling out and I was like, this one looks all right. And so... (laughs) I rang the lady and she was like, yes, it's this dog, like the third photo in. And I was like, awesome. And so we drive over to Hamilton to pick up this dog and this woman, I swear she'd been drinking. It was in like this back parking lot. She only dealt in cash and she handed, she handed me a different dog than the one I ordered. However, I was like, okay, we've got him. So we named him Pablo after Pablo Escobar and, um, and we're away. He's awesome. He's awesome, but one day he, um, he tried to attack a big dog and it bit his face and his eyeball popped out, which was really fun. Um, if you're a bit squirmish, just whatever. <laughs> so anyway, they cut it out and sewed it up. But now, um, now he, he, he likes small dogs, Medium dogs, I'm like, oh, it's touch and go. It's touch and go, you know. If we're, a dog's coming towards us, he's kind of excited, but he's a little big dog. I'm like, oh my gosh, like pull him away because he has a trauma response and he just goes at them and he's this crazy little shih tzu with one eye. And, um, and anyway, there was this one particular moment and I'm walking him and there's this big guy, big muscly guy with his big dog and... Pablo just went like off his rocker and this huge dog rolled over in complete submission and the owner was so embarrassed. (laughs) So embarrassed. But when we are afraid of the enemy, we're like that big dog rolling over before a little shih tzu that's not right in the head. (laughs) See, that big dog didn't realise that he was the one with the power that day, right? And this little thing making himself as big and loud and intimidating as possible intimidated the one that had the real power. (laughs) It looked ridiculous that he didn't know he was the one with the power there. But you need to know with confidence that Satan and his demons are less powerful than the Holy Spirit that is within you. And his common, common work is deception and intimidation, which only works if we have forgotten who we are and the authority that we have in Christ when we have forgotten how highly favoured we are and the victory that we have in Christ. To be afraid of Satan and his demons is to behave like that big dog before Pablo. (laughs) So what do we do when he tries to scare and intimidate you because he will do his best and it can seem scary and it can seem intimidating? We wield the sword of truth, which is the Word of God, and we say things like, because you are the one um, I'm going to read in John, John 4 verse 4, You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. 
And we know our authority best when we elevate our perspective. Ephesians 1.20, I'm gonna read the message translation. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised Him from the death and set Him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name, no power exempt from His rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all and has the final word on everything. So we elevate our perspective as to where Christ is. And then we elevate our perspective as to where we are. Ephesians 2.6, And God raised up Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms of Christ Jesus. So when we pray, we aren't just praying from the mess down here at a distance. We are, but we're praying in the authority of Christ because we are seated with Christ in Christ Jesus. Yeah, it's very good. So this elevated perspective changes everything. And with that elevated perspective of God, we learn how to rule and how to reign with Christ. We know our authority. And we've got to know how to fight. I love this quote by Martin Luther. We must all practise violence. (laughs) And remember, he who prays or she who prays is fighting against the devil and the flesh. Satan is opposed to the church and the best thing we can do, therefore, is to put our fists together and learn to pray. I'm gonna take us through a very quick little um, strategy on how to fight, on how to engage in spiritual warfare. Okay, so it's gonna be diagnosis, prognosis, prescription. And we've got a, a slide that should come up here. Diagnosis, you ask yourself the question, I think you should take a photo of this if you can. What is the enemy's strategy against this person or place? What is the enemy's strategy against this person or place? Then the prognosis is what might God's better plan be for this person or place? Prescription. What can I now do, both prayerfully and practically, to thwart the enemy's plan and welcome God's better purposes into this person, place or situation? I'm gonna start with diagnosis. To answer this question, what is the enemy's strategy against this person or place? We need a few things. We need common sense. Sometimes it's just obvious. He wants to destroy a relationship. He wants that suffering to cause doubt in God's goodness. He wants to tempt them with what will inevitably destroy them. He wants distrust and offence to divide churches, families, friends, workplaces. Sometimes it's obvious. And we need wisdom. Not all bad things that happen are demonic. Sometimes sickness is just sickness. Sometimes accidents are just accidents. Sometimes traffic is just traffic and floods are just floods. We need spiritual discernment because Satan is a convincing liar. It can look like the relational stress and this divide that we have is because that person is offended or perhaps even jealous. But if we don't use our spiritual discernment, we might miss the fact that actually the root of all of that is that person is absolutely afraid. And so we need our spiritual discernment because we need to know what's actually going on so that we can strategically fight against it and pray against it. And if you're like, well, I don't know about this whole discernment thing. We're a family. So in Auckland in here, if you have the gift of discernment, could you just raise your hand for a moment? Don't be shy. 
Thank you very much, raise your hand. Look around if you're struggling, go to one of these people, they can help you with discernment. Prognosis. So having diagnosed the problem, we have to ask, what might God's better plan be for this person or place? In order to do that, we need to look to His Word, look to His promises especially, because His promises in Scripture reveal to us His intention for us to flourish. And so if we know His promises, we know what He wants for us, then that's what we can declare. And then we might also start to receive intuitions from the Holy Spirit. Then prescription is what can I do both prayerfully and practically to thwart the enemy's plan and welcome his better um, purposes. I'm gonna give you an example. I've been praying for somebody who I watched her as she grew up. She had a beautiful faith as a child and I watched as her fragile faith was dismantled bit by bit. She then began to live a life far lesser from what God had for her. And she was deceived enough to think that she was finally living in freedom. That's what He does. And as I was praying for her, I got the sense from the Holy Spirit that she was to play a crucial role in leading her siblings to Christ, making her the main target of the family. That's the intuition I got from the Holy Spirit so that I was able to discern that, test that, and then strategically pray against that and go into battle for her. I knew God's plan was for her to find truth, the truth that would set her free. And I knew that if my sense was correct, then through her, her siblings too would come to know Christ and salvation would come to her household. And so what did I do? When, with this person I was referring to, I would, I would show up in her life, <laughs> show her love, show her grace. I started a targeted prayer <laughs> to sabotage the enemy's work in her life. She knows that I'm a pastor, so she will sometimes try to shock me <laughs> with things she's up to. But as she did that, I just got the sense that maybe one of the enemy's works was that she thinks that God and His church and His people are judging her and I could see she was trying to get that out of me. So I just smiled back, showed her a lot of love and grace. I had a picture of her later on and she came out of this burning house that was gonna fall down, was gonna crumble. But as she came out and she'd found this freedom, she started going back in and pulling out one person after the other, after the other. So this person is a daughter of someone in our church and I will continue to contend for her and to fight for her in the spiritual realm until I see her living with the truth that has set her free, until salvation comes to her household and until she becomes an incredible evangelist for the Kingdom. I wanna give you a biblical explanation, a biblical example of diagnosis, prognosis, prescription. Matthew 16 verse 21. Jesus began to tell His disciples who loved Him, He began to explain to them that He would suffer terrible things at the hands of the elders and that He would be killed and on the third day He would be raised from the dead. He was trying to prepare them for what was ahead. But Peter took Him aside and he began to reprimand Him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, He said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and He said, get away from me, Satan. You're a dangerous trap for me. 
You are seeing things merely as a human point of view and not from God's. Okay, there's a bit going on there. Jesus is preparing those that loved Him and followed Him that there was gonna be tough days ahead, that He would suffer terrible things, He would be killed and raised from the dead, but that was all in God's plan. Then we see Peter pull Jesus aside and he reprimands Him. What you might find interesting is just before this, Jesus had said to Peter, hey, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So then here's Peter trying to use his heavenly authority to come against the work of God. And he says, heaven forbid this will happen to you. (laughs) Peter's motivation isn't to oppose God. His motivation is out of a love for his rabbi and his friend Jesus and a desperation not to see him suffer, but Satan will use whatever he can. And so we see Jesus, he doesn't miss a beat. He, you see, he's like, okay, Peter's care for me is weakening my resolve to do the Father's will. I know that that would be what Satan would want. I recognise Satan at play. That's diagnosis, prognosis, prescription. What shall I do? Instead of speaking to, speak to Peter, he speaks to Satan and he says, get away from me. And then he explains to a poor confused Peter <laughs> that he's a dangerous trap right now because he's seen things from a human point of view and not from God's. How often are we, Peter, just freaking out, desperately trying to use our authority in heaven and the heavenly realm so that our loved ones would avoid the suffering that perhaps they need to walk through in order to mature their faith? That's just a side note. But spiritual warfare is about countering what is at play spiritually. I'm wrapping up, I know I'm so late, doesn't matter. Spiritual warfare is about countering what is at place spiritually. So we do that prayerfully, but we can do that practically. So if your culture at work is one of ruthless competition, people doing whatever it takes to get ahead, then you be the person that gives up your seat for another. You be the person that shares what's going well for you in order that someone else might, it might go well for them without getting anything in return. If your home is a culture of criticism, well then be a voice of encouragement and blessing. If the culture at large is one of materialism and consumerism, well practice being content with what you have. If there's lots of adultery in your family and around you, practice love and faithfulness. If you notice a lot of greed around you, practice generosity. If there's a lot of apathy and depression on your street, practice joy, throw a street party, do something to counter the spiritual work that the enemy is doing as you're praying at the same time. All the while praying that whatever powers and principalities are at play would be pushed back from those people in those places. Tony said to me on Monday, he said, hey, we wanna do a song. Would you pick a spiritual warfare song? And I was like, okay, Tony's such a great leader. I love how thoughtful he is to what the Lord's doing. And I had lots of songs in my head, but before I went to sleep, I just said, all right, God, how about I just go to sleep and when I wake up, there'll just be a song that I hear and that's the one you want. Went to sleep, woke up, no kidding, to a full orchestra chorus of I exalt thee. I exalt thee. And I thought, oh, that's a song of worship. It's probably not the warfare song, I thought. But that is warfare. When we lift God above everything, above 
all else in worship, above our sin, above our temptations, above our sickness and ultimately above our enemy. I've been in Psalm 27 this week. Psalm 27, six says, And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in His tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. And I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Head lifted up above my enemy. Gaze on the victory of Christ who is seated in the heavenly realms. And with shouts of joy, I will exalt the Name of Jesus above my enemies, above His work. We exalt Him. We exalt Him. So guys, let's stand in Auckland and here and let's exalt the Name of Jesus. Let's exalt our God.